At Spire, more than 1.7 million customers rely on natural gas to heat their homes, warm their water, and cook amazing meals. And when you think of meals, there's a group of people who rely on natural gas as much as anyone, chefs. And on today's Beyond the Boots podcast, we'll hear from Kansas City chef Jasper Mirable. His restaurant has been in his family for almost 70 years, and we'll find out not only how a family restaurant stays successful, but why natural gas is the preferred energy for chefs around the country. Thanks for listening to this edition of Beyond the Boots. I'm your host, Jason Merrill. We'll talk about chefs and natural gas cooking coming up, but first, it's our values moment. Our opportunity to highlight values of safety, inclusion, integrity, and drive. At Spire, we strive to have a workforce that mirrors the diversity found in the communities where our employees live and work. Inclusion is a core value. And to tell us about a program she recently participated in that reflects the spirit of diversity and perspective is Christy Palmer. Christy is manager of retention and energy efficiency in Birmingham, Alabama. Christy, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Well, Christy, just tell us about yourself to start off. How long have you been at Spire? So I've been with Spire now for 15 years. I just had my work anniversary August 18th. And as you stated, I am the manager of retention and energy efficiency. So I've been in this department now for the 15 years of my career. Well, congratulations on 15 years. That's that's a milestone number to have. So congratulations. And, Thank you. You know, when we talk about inclusion, you recently participated in the St. Louis Business Diversity Fellows Program, and, and you did it virtually from Alabama as, as well, is my understanding, right? So Fellows is a program that promotes diversity, right? Equity and inclusion. And they give business professionals like myself to be able to be surrounded by other professionals, right? And so we meet and we go to these training sessions and workshops and we learn about strategic objectives and how to maneuver within a corporate sector being a minority. So it's been a very transformative experience for me and it has really allowed me to connect with other professionals and I was really excited to be able to participate in the program. Well, it's exciting you were part of it. And, and how has that experience helped you inspire? It really has helped me grow professionally. It has just been one of the most rewarding experience I have ever had. It has allowed me to get to know those individuals that are in my cohort on a personal level, we all still talk outside of classroom sessions. We have a group meet where we all like talk about different things. We talk about our families. We talk about some of the things that we have going on in our career. We give advice. It's just been absolutely amazing. Well, that's great that this allowed you to not only grow professionally, but also build new relationships as well. Well, Christy, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. It was it was a great experience. Thank you. At Spire, 
We do a lot to support the Kansas City restaurant community, and for almost 70 years, our next guest family has been a Kansas City fixture, cooking amazing meals and providing wonderful memories. And we're excited to talk with him, not only to learn more about him, but also talk about the role natural gas plays in making some dishes that just can't be replicated by other means. We are happy to have on the podcast Jasper Mirable. He is owner of Jasper's Italian Restaurant in Kansas City. Jasper, thanks for joining us. Oh, thank you very much. I am honored to be here on behalf of my family. We thank you for all you do for Kansas City and, of course, for uh, keeping this kitchen open. <laughs> well, thanks. Well, you're joining us from your restaurant in Kansas City. As, as we record this, it is in the summer of 2023. And uh, how is the crowd today? Unbelievable. Every day. We are so fortunate. I keep telling my team and my uh, brothers and nephews about this. You know, restaurants in the summertime, August, it's slow, you know, back to school, especially. But with the heat, 100 degrees with 115 degree heat index and people are out and about eating. And it's not just, you know, cold sandwiches. I mean, they're eating hot foods, bowls of soup. I never can imagine the summertime eating a hot bowl of soup, but it's happening. So we are very pleased. Smiles on our faces. We're making table side cheese right now. And the heirloom tomatoes are crazy this year. That's great. Well, let's talk about you. I mentioned that the restaurant has been in your family for almost 70 years and your grandmother helped launch everything in the 50s. What is the story of Jasper's Italian Restaurant? Well, you know, Nana and Papa, my grandparents, along with my father, started Jasper's 75th in Warnell, a small mom and pop bar. And um, from there, you know, 12 tables just Nana's cooking in the kitchen. Dad was working out in the dining room. Papa working the register and the front door. And little by little, the restaurant just continued to grow. Nana making all her famous dishes that today are still popular here. I don't dare touch the menu here. There are some dishes here that, you know, you'll even change one bit because I have customers who are now in their 80s and 90s who remember those dishes. So we don't change things, but the restaurant just grew and grew into a four-star, mobile four-star, AAA Four Diamond, Dorona award-winning restaurant. And then my father sold the restaurant at 75th and Warnell, our family did, to Walgreen. And we moved down here to 103rd and State Line. And really, the restaurant just took off even more because my dad wanted it to be open to everybody where it just wasn't fine dining any longer. And he saw this 25 years ago before kind of fine dining kind of went down a little bit, you know. So our restaurant is casual, upscale, families, you know, and that's just, it's just about carrying the tradition on here. That's my job to carry the tradition on. In carrying on that tradition and the restaurant being passed on from generations, I noticed when I was at your restaurant that family is still a dominant theme. There are members of your family everywhere. How old were you when you started showing up in the restaurant every day and cooking? Well, there are four boys in my family, uh, and we all started when we were eight years old. We continued cutting bread in the kitchen until you're old enough to work on the salad station. And then you moved out in the dining room as a busboy. And I still remember my jacket never fit. My shirt never fit. Mom would always have to roll up my sleeves, you know. But just like my great nephews today working in the dining room from the time until they you know, they started when they were eight years also. That's just part of the whole thing around Jasper's. We call it myth Mirabile in the house. From the time we open until the time we close, there's always a Mirabile in the house. We don't have managers. Our family members are the managers. 
When you go to restaurants that have these deep family histories, you know, they're all over the country. It, it gets passed down to a new generation and it may struggle. Uh, that hasn't happened for you. You've been able to maintain quality over time as it's transitioned. How do you maintain the quality of food over time? Well, first of all, it's like I said, myth, morality in the house. There's always someone here. One of us is always in the kitchen expediting. One's behind the line and one's out in that floor and just being there with your customers. When you come here, just like when we were walking in the dining room just now, I was greeting people, talking to them. People celebrating their birthdays every year, every year here. It's just tradition. And carrying on that tradition in the dining room, you have to talk with your customers. It's not all about the food, but we better be on top with that food. I'll tell you that. But it's about sitting down, relaxing. Back in 1954, my dad always said, you know, when you're here, you're family, and we treat everybody the same. You have a table here. There's always a table at Jasper's for you. And, heck, we sit down with you sometimes and get a little, uh, maybe a little too comfortable and enjoy dinner with you. Well, part of maintaining that quality is maintaining the way you cook. And for you, natural gas is a big part of how you cook. And we want to get the chef's perspective. You're the person who knows this better than anybody. How important is natural gas in cooking? And what's the value it provides in preparing some of your family's traditional dishes? Well, first of all, I'm a little uh, hard-headed. Uh, I only know one way of cooking. I started when I was eight years old cooking. I watched my Nana at her house cooking, sitting on the counter when I was five, six years old, just in amazement, you know, here are five and six ingredients. She puts them on that stove and she prepares something within an hour for all of us to enjoy. Then I got to go in the kitchen at the restaurant and watch all these chefs behind the line preparing something. I've never cooked on anything else other than gas. I mean, that's the only thing I know, number one, through high school, through college, my culinary training. So what value is it to me? Well, first of all, I have no other way of cooking, no other ideas in my head about cooking on anything else other than gas. But remember, I have two hands. And I say this all the time to people. These are my tools, okay? I also have my gas stove. Now, come on. I lose my hands. I can't cook. I lose my gas. I can't cook. I only know a few things. I mean, it's not a joke around here, but it is around the uh, radio and TV industry in Kansas City. What do I know? I make meatballs for a living. But if you think about it, you know, I'm old school. And having that in my kitchen, that natural gas in my kitchen, my cooks are trained that way. I'd like to take you to my kitchen, take a tour. Today, I have three cooks who are here who've been here. You ready for this? 38 years or more. Harvey Stanley, 39 years. Lawrence Secton, 38 years. And Dwayne White, who is my pastry chef right now, 38 and a half years. And believe me, they know how many months there is in there. But that's just the way we are. And that's the way we are trained. And we're family here. I always say that, you know, when you're here, your family, you better believe it. So, you know, having natural gas provide me with the dishes that I prepare there's no other way, even with our panini machine, even, you know, in the deli. Yes, in the deli, we have to have our gas stoves to prepare our pasta dishes. When we think of chefs in the kitchen, the picture you get in your mind is you in one of those white jackets holding the pan over an open flame. What are some of the dishes you make that cannot be replicated without an open flame? 
Ah, there's two of them that comes to mind. The first one is the scampi a la Levernaise, the oldest dish on the menu. My father discovered this dish on a trip to Italy. And believe me, there is no other way to prepare it. I make it on TV. I don't give the recipe, so people have to check closely on that one. But you cannot finish a sauce any other way than when I add the butter at the end. I'm kind of giving a little secret there, but that's not, not too big of one. And you finish your sauce. There's no other way to do it than on a gas stove. It has to be made in less than three and a half minutes. Yes, every dish is timed here. We have a wheelman and expediter. When an order comes in, that dish is prepared to order, and there's no other way to do it than on gas stove. The second dish is called Capella di Angelo alla Nani, where we get angel hair thin pasta. We put it in a saute pan with prosciutto da parma, a little bit of mushrooms, some peas, a tomato sauce, a touch of cream, a little wine, red pepper. There's no other way to prepare that dish. I couldn't even begin to think about how to make that dish any other way than on a gas stove. I'm not blowing smoke. I'm just telling you, even before we talked about this, I don't know any other way for anybody to prepare that dish or really 98.999% of my dishes you can't do on an on electric stove. What is your favorite dish to make? So any of my pasta dishes, really, when I want something old school, you know, I think of Nana and her lasagna and filling up those pans, you know, and put them in the oven. When they come out, she lets them sit. I used to sit there and kind of steal a little piece out of there before she actually cut it. Lasagna has always been one of my favorites, but also any of the veal dishes. Boy, oh, boy, boy. I know people love their chicken, and so do I. My family, believe me, it's about every other day they're having chicken in my house. But... I love the old-time veal dishes, veal salt and boco, layered with prosciutto ham, a little bit of fontina, some fresh sage, and a white wine, lemon sauce. Come on. I don't think it gets any better. These dishes you're talking about, like scampi, these are some of your signatures. And in making signature dishes, I'm guessing that's why when you see chefs talk about natural gas, they are among the most outspoken supporters do you and other chefs talk about this and talk about natural gas? Oh, I wish a couple of my friends were here right now in the room with me. We get in conversations some nights and they could be long and detailed about, you know, what's going on. This is this is the way we were classically trained. La Russe in France. That's the way that's that's the cooking that we all know. And if we if you take this away from us, we're done. Restaurants, it's not going to be like it used to be. You can't finish sauces. You can't prepare dishes. Like make a bachamel sauce without a gas stove. It's not going to happen. Any of the five mother sauces, I'll tell you right now, it's not going to happen. End of story. Well, you've got your gas stove. You've got your two hands. So those are your tools. So in using those tools for the amateur chefs out there, what is your best advice to folks like me on the best way to make a memorable meal? Okay, so first of all, it's ingredients. You start with the best ingredients, the quality ingredients. And I'm not talking about going out, spending hundreds of dollars on truffles and things like that, but good quality ingredients, the staples in the kitchen, extra virgin olive oil, you know, good produce, fresh produce also, a high quality pasta if you're using pasta and, you know, your mindset and, and what you're putting into it. I mean, for me, I could just grab some ingredients. I love those challenges. You give me six ingredients, I have to put something together. If pasta is included in there, I can make a meal that you would never forget. 
So I always tell people that, you know, what you have available, the seasons that you're in or the city that you're in or the country that you're in with a few ingredients. You have to, for the home cook also, less ingredients is better. You don't want 40 ingredients in a dish. We don't want, you know, like my cookbook. You don't want some coffee table cookbook. I want a, t- a cookbook that gets dirty in that kitchen, believe me, that shows that people are using it. Jasper, we appreciate the advice for novice cooks like myself. Uh, even if we're able to make a memorable meal, though, it's the ambiance at a restaurant like yours that really makes the experience that you can't copy at home. Jasper Mirable, thank you for joining us today on the Beyond the Boots podcast. Oh, I am honored, like I said at the beginning. And what my father always said, Benny Majari Benny, it means eat and drink well. I hope you enjoyed hearing from Jasper as much as we enjoyed talking to him. He had great insight into how chefs make it happen. We'll be back soon with another edition of Beyond the Boots. Until next time, stay safe and thank you for listening.